Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Like vampires. Take a stand and say that. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. And here we are again. Good evening. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we are reviewing season four, episode 20, The Yoko Factor. El Yoko Factoro. Damn, dude. We're so close to being done with this season. I know. It's it, it's terrifying. <laughs> right? And painful and giddy all at the same time. We have lots to cover before we get into the meat of the show. So much to cover. Just real quick, something we wanted to start doing was giving big thanks to all of our iTunes reviewers and our Patreon patrons. All right, so our most recent review, I'm going to start there and work our way backwards is from screen name Willow Mars on February 17th, 2020. Willow Mars says, My boyfriend and I just found this podcast and are now obsessed. The hosts are super funny, great with accent imitations, and just say what we are all thinking about the characters and the plot. Since I can't watch my favorite show while driving to work every morning, listening to a comedy podcast about it is the next best thing. Definitely give this podcast a chance. The title of that was Hashtag Obsessed. Uh, let me tell you, Willow Mars, I read that every day and it makes me feel great inside Yeah, for just a moment. And thank you very much. Uh, nothing brightens our day like getting a new review and reading through old ones. Thank you. Are you going to read just the one? Just the one. Okay. One per episode for a while, I think. And Rex is going to go ahead and read off a, a list of some Patreon patrons that we're going to thank. Well, we currently have eight patrons very nice um better than none yeah we have ale who's been on the show ale yeah uh she's been a patron from nearly the very beginning uh another patron we have is alex who we actually have a voicemail from alex oh we'll get there she's one of our patrons and we have carol jude um hey jude <laughs> don't make it carol i mean do whatever you want <laughs> And then we have Carrie Phillips. Don't spill the blood. <laughs> oh, that's inappropriate. <laughs> I'm FR Defes Defes God damn it. I can't see the list, Dan. Defenestration. Strato. Defenestrato. Defenestrato. Okay. That sounds like a word. Uh then we have FR Defenestrato. Which uh he actually just interacted with our Facebook page today, I think. Neat. Then we have Jesse Rain. And we have Kelly McAdams. And then finally, our last one. Oh, I'm going to mess this one up a lot. <laughs> Shuby Padhack? I don't think it's English. Oh, I'm pretty sure their last name is Doobie Doo. Uh, S-H-U-B-H-I-P-A-T-H-A-K. Shuby Doobie Doo. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the point is we got some, some familiar names. We got some new names. And thank you very much. This podcast could not exist without you. Uh, very literally, 
could not <laughs> exist without you. Without this this support from you eight, we wouldn't have been able to keep hosting this. Yeah, and definitely now with the COVID-19 virus going around, things are about to get interesting for everybody. Yeah. Uh, speaking of... No, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, day six of Michigan's quarantine. We're already out of chicken, beef, toilet paper, and potatoes. Not because there's a shortage of any of these things, but because hoarding people are assholes. You know what the thing that fucking confuses me the most? The store was damn near out of milk. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck is bulk buying milk? Why the fuck are they buying milk in bulk? Uh -huh. That shit goes bad very fast. Yeah, you're going to have like 20 gallons of sour milk on your hands. It's the, like of all the stupid things to hoard, this milk is, is the stupidest. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I guess I can kind of see hoarding potatoes. Like they stay good for quite a while. And even when they start to go bad, then you can plant them. Yeah. Which actually is what I'm going to do with a handful of red potatoes that we've got just as an experiment. You know, I'm going to trash some backyard farming. <laughs> going to get back to my roots. Ha, well, potatoes are one of the hardiest fucking plants you could ever grow. Right? Yeah. I Googled it once and I'm like, I think I got this. Yeah. Cool. You know, good thing we still have Google. I know <laughs> one of our mutual friends on Facebook was talking about starting to print out all of Wikipedia. Right? Just Which, in case. You know, <laughs> good on him. Yeah, we know who to go to right? when the shit really hits the fan. I am very happy that there are people like that who are like, you know what? The shit's going to hit the fan. We're going to Mad Max it up in here. Let's <laughs> print all of Wikipedia. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I can't imagine how much that's going to fucking cost. <laughs> A lot? <laughs> well, I mean, I can't even imagine how much space that's going to eat up on his hard drive first. Right? Like, they have probably full data centers running wikipedia i don't even understand yeah no idea no fucking idea anyway on to voicemails we have some voicemails today yeah so our next upcoming segment is river crystal sam's messages <laughs> voicemails will be played in the order in which they were received first one not being river crystal or right. sam uh, I like that we're just slowly going to add more names to that. <laughs> yeah. What's your fourth name going to be? Help us out. Uh, Alexandra is our first voicemail. Just to clarify, uh, you may recognize her from such lists as Patreon patrons that Rex just read earlier. Or you may remember her from such films as the very first t-shirt winner of the Beer with Buffy t-shirt contest. Also happens to live in the same city of us. Pure coincidence, we've never met. <laughs> And also most recently, she's becoming a super fan really quickly. <laughs> yeah. She made us a damn spreadsheet <laughs> laying out all of the data of our quotes of the day. Yeah. Which I vaguely recall asking for, but I didn't expect anybody to do it. Right. So. No, and that's actually, that will be put up on our Patreon so people can look at that because it's, it's kind of fascinating because not only does she list what my quotes of the day and what your quotes of the day are per episode, but she also uh, totaled up who got the most quotes per season and who got the most quotes per for me per season and who got the most quotes for you per season. Uh huh. And then she tallied up the number of quotes that each character got per season. Yeah, somebody took a class on collating. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it makes me happy to know that 
at this rate, we will have a number at the end of the series of just who had the best lines. Yeah, hold on. Let me just see if I can uh, tick on my... Let me see if I still have my slow clapper sitting around here somewhere. Um, oh, there, there it is. Are the batteries working? Oh, thank God. That's still working. Yeah. Okay. Good to go here. We're ready for the apocalypse here. <laughs> Got that slow clapper. That's all you really need. Yeah. Okay. Alexandra's voicemails. Here we go. Oh, God. You guys are ridiculous. All right. So uh, this is Alex. But since Josh has stopped doing the, the funny voice text and everything, I figured I'd just give you guys a call and dump a bunch of the stuff that you guys have been asking about. So first, uh, the episode where Brand New Man, where Giles got turned into the Fiarl Demon and Spike was driving his car. That is the same car that he drove through the entire series up to that point. That episode where Spike drove it into the wall, that is the last episode that he has that car, and I don't think he has a car um, at any other point in the series. There's that one. Spike's accent, hilariously enough, uh, James Marsters got voice training on the English accent from Anthony Stewart Head. The way Spike sounds is actually closer to Anthony Head's accent. I love the Jonathan episode. Um, I'm one of those people that watched the episode before listening to your podcast episode on that episode, but I love the Jonathan episode. I do not hate you guys for it. It was hilarious. The first five minutes or so, I'm like, okay, what are these guys smoking? But after a minute, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is actually really, really good. I love the fact that you guys were, obviously, with the editing, you were able to carry it through for the entire episode. Yes, you guys are going to hell, but it was great. I loved it. By the way, Josh, I love your laugh in that mini episode. It was hilarious. You sounded so much like a hyena. I thought it was cute. On numerous episodes, you have asked how strong Buffy actually is. And according to the Buffy Wiki, Wiki page or whatever, the actual fandom Wiki, she's able to, I think, for the most part, lift somewhere around two metric tons, which is about 4,500 pounds. So arguably strong, but depending on what she's actually Doing these, you're right, they do make it very inconsistent how much she can actually lift. So like in the first episode where she's like trying to hold the door, uh, she should totally be able to hold that just fine without Xander's help, especially with against newer vampires. But like going up against the master, that was kind of, you know, probably on par with he's much older, so he'd be much stronger than, than that. But yeah, the, um, about two metric tons is what she's supposed to be able to consistently lift and, you know, move around, basically. Anyway, can I see you guys? Bye. Hi, Alexandra. It's nice to hear your voice. I'm yes. sorry we scared you off with <laughs> the funny voice reading text message thing. That was a while ago. We only did it once. It didn't really catch on. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. First point you made was the car. Yeah, that was the uh, the last episode we see Giles's car in. I miss that car. <laughs> right? I still think they should have kept the fucking armored truck, though. They should have. Yeah. I mean, I felt like we covered that point. Yeah, I was. I didn't think it would pop up again. But I, he does get another car. It might just be a rental. But I remember vividly there's some point where he's driving a car and it's an automatic and he's complaining because he feels like he's not contributing. <laughs> so that's coming up in the next season or two. As, as someone who has pretty much exclusively owned manual transmission cars, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's been about 50-50 for me. I've had a couple sticks and a couple automatics. So I'm a uh, very buy car. <laughs> I'm bi-car sexual. Yeah, I got this. 
That's how it works, I think. Okay, um, moving on. <laughs> the accent. That is some fun trivia. I feel yeah. like that came up before, but it's always worth revisiting that Giles does not sound like Giles in real life, which is funny because every time I see him tweet on Twitter, I th- hear him, <laughs> I read him in my Giles right. voice. Yeah. But it would really be more accurate to read him in the Spike voice. Um, it's cause... fascinating to me that they had him do a different accent. Right. Well, that's because the British have such a vast array of different dialects in such a small geographic space. They can all right. tell exactly what class you are, geographically where you're from, probably what elementary school you went to. <laughs> just based... They could probably figure out your damn address <laughs> based on your accent. Well, hey, we, we have some UK fans. Can you figure out people's address based on your accent? Come on, Geraint. Let us know. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll disagree. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, any American's knowledge of British accents, it just pales in comparison to the reality yeah. of the dialectical situation over there. And here we are sitting with our fucking Midwestern nasally bullshit accents. Yeah, we're, we've got the non-regional accent. That's how that works, right? Yeah. Sure. Not when I have to equalize us to get rid of the nasality. <laughs> So thanks for uh, thanks for letting us know how you felt about the Jonathan episode. We definitely needed some feedback on that. So I sounded like a cute hyena. <laughs> I mean, well, to be fair, you know, the the bonus episode was a lot more of you laughing than me laughing. Did I... And normally during our, our normal recordings, they hear me laughing more than they hear you laughing. Probably. Yeah, I did absolutely lose my shit. <laughs> but did I sound more like Shenzai, Banzai or Ed? That's what I want to know. Oh, <laughs> Ed. Ed. It was, it was Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's their names from the Lion King. I don't know. I know. Um, I know Ed. The Whoopi Goldberg one is definitely Shenzai, and it's the middle one. It would have to be Bonsai. I'm going with Bonsai. I have no idea. That's my headcanon. All I know is they hate dangling. Yes. Because they're dangling on the end of the food chain. Right. So how strong is Buffy, Rex? Apparently pretty fucking strong. <laughs> But yes, it has been confirmed that while there is a decent metric, it is inconsistent. Oh, painfully. Throughout the series. I was, yeah, I was just going to let you handle that one, Rex. Did you have anything to say about that? Not really. This is actually kind of an issue I have with a lot of shows that have, or even media in general. Uh, it's a big problem in comic books. Uh, the strength of characters is inconsistent. It always bothers me. Well, they must be on different drugs every episode. That's all there is to it. I don't know. It's something I think of right away. If I'm like writing a, a character, I'm like, oh, they have super strength. Well, how strong are they? Well, everybody's anal about different things. What can I say? And uh, so let's hear our next message from the infamous, ever more acquiring names, River Crystal Sam. <laughs> hey, Rex. Hey, Josh. I'm calling as I've gotten home i am not driving for once because 
I'm in South Carolina, and the plague is hitting us here, and it's possible I may have gotten it. So if you don't hear from me in a couple weeks, maybe I died. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I, I came home from work early, so I'm going to spend the whole weekend drinking tequila to try to, like, sanitize my body. (laughs) Kudos, uh, Jonathan Speed. That was fucking hilarious. As far as your poll... All I have to say is please go look up Richard Cheese, people equal shit. So you both suck because all people are terrible. I kid. <laughs> Listening to to um, Sexy Haunted House episode, whatever the fuck y'all are calling it. And I got to say, oh, oh, kink shaming. What if you happen to be a mother? Are you going to kink shame the mothers? Like, what? No, no, fuck you patriarchy no yeah um sexy haunted house i would totally fuck a ghost i would that would be awesome i want to go to that party i'm not into the casual fucking but like you know i figure it could be like dennis from angel and like i think cordelia could have taken advantage of that instead of getting impregnated by demons so that's my spin on thing i hope y'all have a good weekend i'm gonna try not to die johnson speed Welcome back, River Crystal Sam. I'm sorry if we're airing this a week later than you were expecting us to, and I hope you're not dead. Yeah. Uh, we can't afford anybody else to run our messages segment, okay? Right. Um, I mean, I um, think Alexandra is kind of uh, trying to give you a run for your money. <laughs> if you want to have a showdown, we can work that out. Once you get busy not dying, uh, I think you're onto something with uh, the tequila sanitization. <laughs> I don't know. The other night, uh, we tried it with some whiskey. It didn't go well. I thought it went great. Nobody uh, needs details on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. No, it, it, to be fair, it was my birthday and St. Patty's Day. And yeah, lots of whiskey. Lots of whiskey. Yeah, and what are you on about with this Jonathan Speed shit? It's Keanu's speed. How? What Fruit Loops are you eating? <laughs> Fucking Jonathan is such a nerd. What is your childhood trauma? I'm a car. No, but it's Keanu's speed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Keanu's speed, Josh. Reeves be with you. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so about the kink shaming mothers, you know, I was actually afraid somebody might uh, object to that because I feel like there's a very important distinction to be made here. And and thank you for bringing it up. River crystal, Sam. No, no, no. Mothers can totally have their kinks. That's fine. We're not saying mothers aren't allowed to have kinks or sex or whatever. Um, just as long as nobody's talking about, or especially including their mothers in anything kink related. That is a very important (laughs) distinction. Mothers are their own entity. They just shouldn't, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> right? Right? Don't leave me hanging. Son of a bitch. I don't think so, Josh. Uh, <laughs> well, good thing I was asking River. Come on, River. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, Nobody. So this concludes River Crystal Sam's and Alexandra's messages. Yeah, shit. We're a bit long into this. We need to get on with the mom synopsis. Joshua! What are you doing, Joshua? Uh, <laughs> going out like an adult. You mean living at your mother's house like a child? 
<laughs> Tomato potato. <laughs> Don't you dare take nightshade plants in vain with me, mister. <laughs> I would never take my potatoes in vain, mother. I'm actually going to plant some so that in three months, if people haven't stopped hoarding, we'll have some damned potatoes. Uh, speaking of sowing seeds of dissent, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, why are all the Scoobies fighting so much? What? You didn't see all the potatoes Spike was planting this whole damn episode? <laughs> you know, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about or <laughs> referencing, Joshua. So, Spike struck a deal with Adam last episode to help him out in exchange for getting the chip removed from his brain. Now he's fulfilling his end of this bargain by removing all non-Buffy Scoobies from the equation. He does this by offering Giles a bargain with Buffy of super-secret initiative files for money, blood, and protection, all the while spreading rumors amongst Xander, Willow, and Giles that all the others think they're useless assholes, thus spreading the seeds of dissension throughout the ranks of the Scooby Gang. Buffy goes patrolling, awkwardly finds herself tag-teaming a cave with Forrest, who promptly gets himself murdered by Adam. Meanwhile, Angel is in town to apologize for having been an asshole when Buffy came to visit and help with Faith in L.A., but he bumps into Riley, they fight, Riley gets it in his head that Buffy banged Angel while she was in L.A., and when Buffy finally gets all the testosterone settled, she drops the bomb on Riley that Forrest is dead, then, in an epic finale, Xander, Willow, and Buffy and Giles all get in a big argument about how useless they all are to a bewildered and blindsided Buffy who just can't catch a break from the drama this episode. Riley has business with Adam to be continued. Dun dun dun. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 as the sun goes down, down, down. Before we start on the cold open, in the previously on Buffy clips, they covered the meat of what happened on Angel for the Faith wrap-up crossover episode. Basically, Faith gets her redemption arc, and Buffy and Angel sock each other in the face, and he's all like, I've got my own TV show now, so meh. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. And then he shows up again. That's important because he shows up in this episode. Yep. Cold open. Cold open on the initiative where the general dude, I can't remember what the fuck his name was. Colonel. He's a colonel. Oh, he's a colonel. Yeah. I don't remember his name either. Don't I don't even like. Don't care. I don't even know what that ranks in comparison to general. Yeah, I have no idea. It doesn't matter. He's a boss man. Yeah. He, he's a he's a military boss man and he's talking to a, a more important military boss man. Yeah. Mean old white dude talks to other meaner older white dude. Yeah. And giving basically a status report on the situation with the initiative. Apparently the government wants Finn back because they invested a lot of money into that guy. Yeah, yeah, we don't care if Riley's a pansy. <laughs> we put a lot of money into that pansy and we want him back, see? And who the hell is this Buffy? Yeah, and the, the Colonel Douchey McDoucherson is like, oh, she's just a girl. Cut to the lair where Spike begs to differ. He does, in fact. He outlines to Adam why Buffy is a problem. Adam is being such a classically thick-headed supervillain right now. Right. 
it hurts. And I appreciate that Spike does not underestimate Buffy yes. at all. Yeah. And nor should he with his history. He gets that she's a huge pain in the ass because she knows what the fuck she's doing. Uh-huh. She's a problem. Yeah. And what? Adam's like, oh, it's fine. She's just a girl. You've killed two slayers before. Why haven't you killed her yet? Oh, because there's no other factors. But he's half computer brained. So right. I guess he's overly logical in that sense. Adam suspects that Spike is afraid of Buffy, which Spike kind of uh, doth protest too much, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Adam gives him a big old pep talk and <laughs> Spike gets an even bigger Frankenstein boner. Uh, also, fuck you, spell check. I can spell boner however I want. <laughs> uh, Hold on. How did you spell it? I spelled it B-O-N-O-R. Apparently, it's E-R. It is E-R. I don't care. It's boner, not bone-R. Bone-or. Or bone-or. Bone-or. If you can <laughs> row a boat with it, then it's dual purpose. <laughs> Finally, something useful instead of everybody overbreeding. Good God. <laughs> that would oh, be B O N. Oh, A-R. Yeah. Ah, jeez. A bone or. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 12-year-old boys here. What are Uh, you going to do? Spike likens Adam to Tony Robbins. Do you know who Tony Robbins is? I looked it up. Yeah, it turns out he's a motivational speaker, life planner, whatever. Uh, Fun fact, apparently he has a lot of accusations of, of sexual harassment against him. Go figure. Yeah. Big surprise. Yeah. Rich white dude? Sexual harassment? No, that never happens. Not once. (laughs) Yeah, so we don't really understand how yet, but Spike has a passive plan to break up the Scooby gang because he believes that is Buffy's true strength. And he's not wrong. No, he's definitely not wrong. Uh, But Adam doesn't understand how Spike is going to go about this, but he trusts him, and that's fun. How do you feel about the the Adam-Spike dynamic? I think it makes perfect sense. But I also think that Spike is playing both sides. Yeah. And I don't think he's playing both sides with a plan of either of them winning. I think he's just going to jump on board with if whichever one does win. He's the kind of snake who would play both sides just to play both sides. Just to like, enjoy the chaos. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. But he's also in a compromised position where he needs to be able to jump on somebody else's winning chip. Right. Exactly. He needs the fucking chip out of his head. That's his his only motivation here. But if he doesn't, he can still use the Scooby gang because they're too goody two-shoes to kill him. Right. Which one could easily start up an internet fight about that being a weakness or a strength. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, Then we do a... Shortcut to the dorm where we get to see Buffy returning. She's kind of sad, but the dorm is empty because Willow's not there and she lays down and that's that. Yeah. Willow's not there. Her bed is very well kempt, probably a little dusty, honestly. Yeah. I felt like if you just patted it, it would just billow. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to camp school. Camps. Oh, right. Yeah. Over to Riley's lair at Sunnydale High. (laughs) Xander brings Riley a pair of hammer pants. Maybe they're not proper hammer pants, but I like calling them hammer pants. And he's unamused and kind of a dick about it. You know what these pants remind me of, Rex? My mom's boyfriend 
I, he was nearly my stepfather for a minute, but he wore pants like this. And I remember it being really oh annoying because even in the 90s, I was like, those are hideous and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but basically Xander's like, hey, who's your buddy? You get to wear these while your other clothes are being washed. He specifically says, try those on. You'll feel like a new man. Riley's response is, would this man have a bright red nose and big floppy feet? Riley, that's how we felt about Xander's outfits yeah. this whole time. I like to think that Xander specifically brought these pants on purpose just to fuck with Riley. <laughs> like, just a, a, a tiny little, oh, you're you're with Buffy and I don't like that twist of the knife. <laughs> they were so gaudy. I was like, Xander wouldn't even wear those. No, he would not. No wonder he's giving them away. <laughs> so, yeah, there has to be that slight little element of uh, just fucking with Riley. But also, he's very good to Riley in this scene. Yes. More so than one could ever truly expect from Xander. Yeah. And I think a part of that is Angel. Well, he likes him better than Angel because, you know, he's human and never murdered anybody that they right. knew. So they start talking about Angel. Riley reveals that Buffy gave him the most, most of the rundown of the situation, but not a little bit of important information. While it is kind of important information... It is information that is truly none of Riley's fucking business. It's too much information, and Riley says it himself. He didn't want to know after he knows it. Right. He, he really didn't need to know this, and that was absolutely more than okay for Buffy to make that call. That was private shit. Yeah, exactly. He says, it's not like I hate the guy, just, you know, the guts part of him. Yeah. I thought that was a clever line. I liked it. Yeah, I got that one too. And Riley's response is, can't blame you. But to be fair, it's not him you hate. It's the curse. And which is a distinction we've been making all along. Yeah. But this is where Xander's like, ah, but you didn't know the thing that made him happy. And he's like, oh, the sex. Great. So Xander didn't even right. technically tell him, but he let him connect the dots and didn't say no. Yeah, which... There could be added in all tons of subtext in that right there. Yeah. Just how he's basically like spoon feeding Riley specific information to let Riley connect dots. It could very well be seen as a, hey, I didn't tell him. No, 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 no. I don't think it can be broken down that way at all. Even though later in the episode when Buffy's talking to Angel, it sounds like Xander's about to get the full brunt of the blame for the situation. But... Xander did not understand that Riley didn't have all the information right. when he started talking about it. And in fact, was trying to stay hush-hush about it, but then Riley brought it up. Yeah. So I don't think Xander is even vaguely at fault here. And in fact, is sitting here spending his time talking down Buffy's boyfriend from his insecurities about Buffy being off with her ex-boyfriend. And I oh, think... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that, and, but you're right, I think. This can either be one of those things that is just too wildly outside of Xander's scope of who he is as a character, or a sign of massive character growth over the last season or two, to the point where he's not. there's not even a sign of him being uncomfortable about not being the one dating Buffy anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's possible, because he is dating Anya, and I think that alleviates a lot of his insecurities now. And I think 
any of the shittiness that we get from Xander in this scene is you can definitely tell while Riley was like, oh, you hate it. You hate the curse, not him. Uh, uh-uh. no, I think Xander legitimately doesn't like Angel Angel. He really hates Angelus, but I think he also just doesn't like Angel. Yeah, but I think it's almost fully colored by the fact that he hates Angelus. Like, he can't separate the two. Yeah, I think you might be right on that. He he really is struggling to separate his view of Angel versus his view of Angelus. But, you know, they had a few run-ins where it's it's arguable. I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer to that. But that's a fun argument for possibly another place another time, like, you know, Facebook or something. So, yeah, Riley's all super insecure because he suddenly thinks that Buffy ran off to L.A. to go jump in the sack with Angel. His line is specifically, well, she went running off to L.A. to bone up on her history. This is the big kudos line to Xander. No, I'm sure it's boneless. <laughs> she just needs to make sure everything's okay. She's probably back already. And I just thought that was funny. because Yeah, it's a good line. Play on words. Boneless. I like boneless wings. Yeah. They're delicious. And they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? You know what time it is, Josh? Tool time? No. No, good. Freebird! Freebird? Yeah. You know, when Journey's on stage, you're supposed to yell Freebird, so they play Freebird. I'm, I'm aware of people yelling Freebird at concerts. Yeah. And needing so to they, get punched in the dick. Yeah. We cut to the scene where Giles is playing Freebird. Oh, was that Freebird? <laughs> yes. This is why you don't sing Freebird, okay? <laughs> because evil vampires sneak into your house <laughs> while you're singing Freebird. That's how this works. Oh, which comes to one of my quotes of the day. Mine too. Giles flips out. He's startled all of a sudden. And we see Spike. And he says, you know... Uh, for someone who's got Watcher on his resume, you might want to cast an eye to the front door every now and again. Which is a great point, frankly. Especially considering how many fucking times now Spike has just walked into Giles' apartment. At least three. What the fuck, Giles? Yeah. Lock your fucking your door. door. You live on the Hellmouth. <laughs> In Sunnydale, with all the demons. So, yeah, in this scene, Spike's a fucking dick, and this is not my ripper. This is depressed alcoholic Giles talking. Spike is offering Walsh's files in exchange for a year's supply of blood, protection, cash, and a no-slay guarantee. Like, wow, that sounds like the worst infomercial I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> and he thinks he's got enough leverage to dick it up with Giles at the same time. And Giles lets him. Right? I just wanted Giles so badly to just pull out a stake, pin him down, and shove it into his chest just far enough to make him squeak and walk funny for a little bit. <laughs> and ju just make him show Giles the respect he fucking deserves. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He just let Spike get him down. I'm like, come on, man. Spike obviously has made a distinct decision in this conversation. He repeatedly says Rupert. 
He calls him Rupert in this conversation. Yeah. And he makes it a point to say it like three or four times. This is a, a fun little tidbit towards real fucking psychology uh-huh. where if you use someone's name in a conversation multiple times it's an ingratiating thing and it's a way to connect with somebody very quickly because using someone's first name is a familiar thing so it builds connection and it's a legitimate manipulation tactic yeah i'm familiar with that i felt like he was using it to be disrespectful that too because Giles is very used to be being called Mr. Giles or just Giles. But, you know, we have to keep in mind that Spike is, you know, 150 some odd years old. Yeah. You know, Giles can't rightfully be like, I'm your elder or some shit. <laughs> but he can be like, you're in my fucking house asking a favor of me. Sure, it's something I need, but I can also just puff you like a ball of cotton candy and not think <laughs> twice about it and i don't think he made that clear enough right i feel like the writers just kind of washed right over it just to kind of push the plot in the direction yeah that it needed to go in the short span of time that they have left of this season and this now will be the last time we see sober giles for the rest of the episode yeah <laughs> definitely for the episode as he he picks up the scotch and he starts a drinking <laughs> so giles says in response to spike's offer he says done spike responds with a smile and a nod from you sorry not close to good enough this deals with the slayer giles replies i'll tell her oh you'll tell her great comfort that what makes you think she'll listen to you because oh very convincing I'm her watcher. I think you're neglecting the past tense there, Rupert. Besides, she barely listened to you when you were in charge. I've seen the way she treats you. Oh yes, and how's that? Very much like a retired librarian. I felt like that was the core of yeah. the manipulation tactics of the conversation. It, it's hard to switch in a conversation between Giles and Spike, isn't it? It is, but it's fun. <laughs> Um, and especially... It, it's a really good scene, though. Yeah. But especially having that little tidbit of trivia, knowing that Spike learned his right? accent from Anthony Stewart Head, I always had heard and thought this to be true. I thought that James Marsters had learned... I had heard that he learned his British accent just from watching Monty Python and just kind of pieced it together. So that makes a lot more sense and makes me feel better that it's a much more legitimate British accent right. that he got coaching from Anthony Stewart Head. So that's neat. So we cut over to Tara's room. Where they're just melting over Miss Kitty Fantastico cuteness. <laughs> Which is very adorable. I didn't feel like she was really handling the cat very properly. <laughs> it's like... To be fair, though, kittens are tough little monsters. I know. And I've, I've definitely been very guilty of... You know, flipping around and playing a little too rough with cats and yeah. kittens before. It's fun and easy to do, but I kind of stopped doing that when I heard my cat squeak really bad one time. And his, yeah. he's acted like he's had back problems ever since. And I've really been Ooh. feeling guilty about that for a long time. So careful how you handle your cats, everybody. They're not yeah. invincible. But they are house goblins. <laughs> As Edgar is biting me right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, kind of distracting, really. Anyway, 
Suddenly, Miss Kitty Fantastico is not a good enough name for Tara. Um, I don't know if I like where this relationship is going anymore. You pick a silly name for a cat together, and that shit is sacred. That is a sacred fucking bond. Like, okay, I get it. You want to have a, a, quote, more serious name for your cat. I get it. My cat's name is ridiculous, but he has a serious name. You just find the serious name within the ridiculous name. Yeah, like cat or kitty (laughs) (laughs) or Fanta. There you go. Yeah, Fanta. They're right after the soda. That works. Got it. (laughs) See, we got all your cat name problems solved. (laughs) If you'd like to use Beer with Buffy's cat naming services, give us a call at 269-743-0783. That'll be $5. You can pay us on Patreon. (laughs) Just head on over to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. This makes me want to add an actual $5 tier of cat naming services. (laughs) We will do that. Yes. We will name your damn cats. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a Patreon tier cat naming services. This is happening. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh, So Tara is all business and she's helping Willow schedule classes. And uh, Willow needs to handle her roommate situation as well. We missed the part where Willow gets dramatic. Oh, I didn't miss that part at all. You just glazed over it. Yeah, I know. You don't find any humor in her getting dramatic? Not really. (sighs) (laughs) Did you? Yes. I'm sorry. I was actually a theater major. It didn't really, it didn't tickle me at all. Well, I think you're a little broken inside, Josh. I guarantee it. (laughs) Okay, yeah. She's worried about her roommate situation. Yeah, Buffy or no Buffy. To buff or not to buff. This is not the question. And it never will be, you traitor. <laughs> but it kind of is the question this episode. Right. And well, the Buffy hasn't been around a whole hell of a lot. And you know, neither is Willow. But and that's kind of what they're playing on this whole episode with the spike thing is. Yeah. Uh, which we've barely even gotten into. But yeah, you know, people naturally grow apart during when they go off to different places and different schools and different stuff. Yeah. Life fucking happens. It does. Fear me. He, he's so cute. You didn't sense a hyena energy at all, did you? Because hyena possession is just unpleasant. Run, play, maybe skedaddle. Oh, I miss the free hot dogs on stairs. So we cut over to Buffy's dorm, where... Riley fucking proves his love by going out in those pants. <laughs> <laughs> While being a wanted fugitive of the government. Wanted fugitive of the government, and he just needs to see Buffy so bad, he's going to leave the school in those pants. Yeah, being a military fugitive is a whole new level of fugitive. Right? No thanks. I know a dude, actually you know the same dude, who spent a year in military prison because he got caught smoking weed. It's a year of his life. Oh, fuck. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> but no. And Buffy is like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Just walking around Sunnydale when you're wanted by the military. But he's got a modded out cell phone so he can listen in to the initiatives 
communications because they only show his radio very briefly uh-huh it's literally like a cheap ass walkie talkie and they just like glued some wire to the outside <laughs> of it and wrapped it around the antenna well later he's got a flip phone that, was it a flip? I didn't see a flip phone. I thought it looked like a cheap little walkie-talkie too, but later it's I think it was a flip phone huh. that was closed. But yeah, okay, it's maybe. just got this wire wrapped around it to make yeah. look, it's modded, we promise. <laughs> okay. Riley wants to talk about Angel. Buffy doesn't want to talk about Angel. I'm not surprised. Cause she says Angel upset her and spun her head a little bit, and Riley decides to leave and give her some space, but I really thought at the close of this scene that it wasn't going to be a thing because right when she's like, I don't want to deconstruct Angel right now, Riley's able to switch it to humor. He's like, it's the pants, isn't it? I couldn't talk to me seriously in these pants either. <laughs> I have to recharge them every two hours or they go dead on me. Right. And like <laughs> That's, you know, adding some, some humor to to kind of diffuse a situation that's a brilliant fucking move. And it seems like the right step to being like, okay, we can talk about this later. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's just like the COVID-19 shutdown. The government really just wants you to stay in your home so that they can change the batteries in the birds. Right? And that I mean, how else is that going to get fucking done? Everything makes so much more sense now. <laughs> Jeez. But anyway, no, Buffy is visibly distressed when Riley leaves and I thought he made the right call but I think things probably wouldn't have blown up if he had chosen to stay and spend some time right but shit goes down the way it does what are you gonna do yeah uh cut to the crypt where Xander's delivering some more clothes yeah Xander's not clothing delivery service where he delivers clothing to people strikes again and we get a fun little piece of information a little bit more about how Spike's chip works. He can't point a gun at people. That makes perfect sense to me, though, because the chip is based on Spike's understanding of hurting somebody. Exactly. Not specifically the act of beating them. And that's fascinating to me. And that might actually explain... The moment that we had in the previous, that one episode where he like threw the dude when he's running off. Because if he was just in a fight or flight sort of mentality where he's like just trying to get the fuck out of there in a panic. Self-defense. Right. He's not thinking about what he's doing. He's just running. Yeah, that makes good sense. So it, the chips wired into his intent and that's fucking diabolical. It is. But uh, Spike also gets to stretch his manipulation muscles here. Oh my, does And he? he's just starting to get warmed up. He started with Giles, moving on to Xander, proving very easily that Xander is frighteningly simple to get riled up about nothing. Well, with Giles, he took a nugget of truth that was already there and just built it into something bigger. Yeah, he poked at his insecurities about not having a job. Right. And wondering if Buffy really respects him as the Watcher anymore. And these are all little insecurities that Giles would definitely have. And he does something very similar here with Xander. Xander's been very insecure about feeling useless in regards to his place in the Scooby gang. But there's a key here, though. 
he gives an outright lie yep. to Sander. He does. This is the only fucking time that he truly gives a full outright lie. And I think that's really the biggest hole in this part of the plot. Yeah. It's because I don't think Xander's dumb enough to just take Spike at his word for it like he does here. I, I agree. Well, he distrusts Spike more than he distrusts Angel, and that's fucking saying something. Yeah, because Spike's like, oh, they've been, uh, you know, talking about you going into the army and something about being all you can be or some shit like that. Yeah. And he just goes off on this huge diatribe about how he's not useless. I really expected him to be calling Spike on his bullshit here and have gone to Buffy or Willow and confirmed the rumor first before just taking Spike at his word. Right. But assuming that Xander really is dumb enough to fall for this, Spike played his hand brilliantly. Yeah. Knowing just when to press the buttons and just when to ease up so as to avoid being, you know, pinned as the bad guy rather than just the messenger. The ease up part is the golden part. That's what makes it work. Right. Because he's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have. His actual line is, hey, it was just a laugh. There's no need to go insane over it. Yeah. That is the true brilliance here. Yes. And that's exactly what Spike wanted from this. Divide and conquer. Yep. Well, it's like what they say. The art of telling a lie is telling barely enough information. The worst way to lie is if you you lie and then you just keep giving more information. If you're late for work or something and you're like, oh, I was late because such and such happened. It just makes it easier and easier to call you out on your bullshit. Yes. Dig this. Dig this. Sire has a wind. Sire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Cold water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. So cut over to a cave mouth in the woods. Yeah. Where Buffy and Forrest arrive at the same cave at the same time and agree to go their separate ways. But unfortunately, they're both there to check the same cave. Yeah. Which is like, okay. Did you catch any information on like, why are they checking this cave all of a sudden? Okay. I don't know why Buffy was checking the cave, but I don't remember what the actual line was, but there was something that Forrest said that just made me think that he was like checking a hotspot kind of thing. And with all their fucking tracking software bullshit stuff, uh-huh. they probably just had a hotspot or something he was checking out. But I don't fucking care how thinly spread the initiative would have to be. There's no fucking way in hell they would ever send one lone soldier out to check out anything. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. But I mean, now that Forrest has basically taken Riley's place and Forrest is a dipshit Mm. if he's making his own decisions i think he has a big enough ego to be that dumb the rest of the initiative like his superiors i don't think would do that but if forrest was dividing up his own team with his own authority i can see him being that dumb okay yeah especially if you come at it from the angle of he has to prove himself right because Riley's not there, so he has to prove that he is still a badass without Riley. Yeah, all the toxic masculinity in this episode. All the toxic masculinity. All of it, Morty. Way up in there. <laughs> way up in there, Morty. Okay, so the conversation between Riley and Buffy goes approximately as thus. Blah, blah, blah. My dick's bigger than yours. Yeah, but I'm a girl and you're stupid. Hey, you're the <laughs> slayer and you can't kill people. You're right, but I'll fuck you up real good. 
And <laughs> hey, you ruined Riley's career. Yeah, but it was turning him into a murdering drone. Meh, doesn't really bother me because I'm a hypocritical tool bag. Hey, want to fight? Yeah, let's fight. But first, let's explore this cave. At which point Adam is like, I'd like to see that. Right? I like to watch. I'll buy that for a dollar. Eyebrows. <laughs> 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 Can I just point out that if they're hunting a cybernetic demonoid and they know that he is electrically powered, why the fuck are they carrying around goddamn <laughs> taser guns? Well... <laughs> I mean, their knowledge of how he's powered by electricity, I think, is approximately equivalent to Captain America's knowledge of how the the gunship was powered in the Avengers. <laughs> right. It appears to be powered by electricity. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Cap. You're not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> but they had no way of knowing that shooting him with a taser was going to charge him up. My assumption would be that it would short him out. I guess my problem here is they have the fucking data on Adam. Yeah. Like he didn't destroy their data. Well, they still have all the, they have Walsh's files and shit. Sure. But I mean, if the Jonathan episode told us anything accurate and we don't really have anything else to go on, they don't really know much more about it than the Scoobies do. They had some basic plans that barely and where Jonathan was just like, well, I think he's got a power supply here. It's probably plutonium, but that's just a guess. Right, but it's still... They've still got that they other... They have to have something. They have that other scientist that was there. Exactly. He must know something. Yeah, I agree, but we don't know what they know. And they obviously try to keep the lower ranks grunts in the dark as much as possible. They said already that Riley thinks too much. I'm like, God, that's a such a bad thing. All right. So Adam's like, woo, I love to watch. <laughs> right. Let me get into my Superman costume and crawl into the closet real quick. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Okay, that's a reference to Rick and Morty. Um, commercial break. We cut back. Despite Forrest's dickbaggery and stupidity, Buffy still tries to save him from right. getting skewered by Adam. But you can't fix stupid. Right, because Adam like throws Forrest and then throws Buffy. Forrest sees him fucking ready the spike uh, fucking engage the spike. What the fuck would you uh, call that? Engage. Yeah, there's got to be a good word for that. Um... um uh unsheath sure i fuck what would you call that eject <laughs> i'm gonna say eject too late he ejaculates the spike no eject too late it's not quite okay the same. fine he ejaculates the spike Forrest sees him do this and then he just runs at him like his arms are even slightly above his head when he runs at him he's like stab me in the chest <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me thrust my my vulnerable bits at you. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I pre-ripped all of the hard scales off of my stomach so that you can stab me there. Right. Jesus. Oh, I mean, God. he he might have been wearing Kevlar. I think he was actually. Who knows? But, but that's he's dead now. That's really only good for bullets. Yeah. Last he's I dead checked. now. So he yeah he tasered at um. He gets a nice little recharge from it. Uh, then he makes some delicious looking forest kebab for the neighborhood grill out. Oh, look, I've been impaled. 
<laughs> Get the barbecue. Buffy shoves Forrest's body off of her and gets hit with the taser from Adam and then gets the fuck out. And it only barely slows her down. Yeah, like she barely even seems to be phased by it, but I'm sure she has a lot of adrenaline going as well. Oh, yeah. Which they she gets a good 20 yards from the cave. And then she trips. Yeah, and falls down a fucking hill. And uh, let me tell you, I've done that before. Like, falling down the side of a goddamn gully, hill. A lot of sticks and rocks. Oh, dude. I was mountain biking out in Yosemite when I did it. Mm. And uh, my front tire bogged in sand, and I went over the handlebars and went down the hill. I have no idea how far I went down the hill, but I went quite a ways down the hill. I didn't break anything, but I bruised almost everything on the right side of my body from my shoulder to my waist. It's a miracle you're still alive. Kind of. I mean, I was wearing, like, a pretty heavy-duty jacket and helmet and shit because I was fucking mountain biking. Sure. But I, like, bruised everything. I was beaten to hell. Surprisingly did not dislocate my shoulder. But yeah, it's no joke. Falling down hills like that, you think, oh, just walk it off. No, you don't walk that shit off. Sounds painful, especially the part where Buffy hits her head on a rock. Yeah. And we get to stare at that gash the rest of the episode. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. There's a lot more with that. Yeah, fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. So we cut over to Giles' house where <laughs> Spike fakes being winded and stressed out from a big initiative heist as he runs in. I have a question, though. What would he have done if, like, any of the Scoobies were outside or had were just coming in? Because uh, he just casually walks up while smoking. Played it by ear? He's a smart dude. Yeah. He's not dumb. He'd have noticed something was up before he got there. I'm not too terribly worried about it. Uh, Giles is lounging around, pathetically stressed and schnockered. Um, I've been there, done that, old chap. I feel you. Yep. I was there recently. (laughs) (laughs) But Spike really greases up his old fuckery hockles, and (laughs) he starts to play Willow against some bullshit that he makes up about Buffy and Xander, saying that he overheard Willow's going through a phase and being trendy and ignoring how she's been ignoring her computer skills in place of being a Wiccan. And Spike notices for the first time that there's definitely something going on between Willow and Tara. Yep. Because Tara's like twiddling Willow's hair. Without saying any specifics, he kind of like leans their suspicions to that. Maybe they were talking about being weird that Willow is a lesbian now. Yep. Which that is fucking evil. Really is. Now, I, I think this is a great Spike episode. It, oh, so is. It really shows his manipulation skills, which they've been building up on for several episodes. Yeah. On his ability to read situations and his emotional, not necessarily his emotional maturity, but... Kind of emotional social awareness. Awareness, sure. Similar to being empathetic without like, he's not a, like he's not being em- empathetic because he's not like sharing the emotion with them. His emotional literacy. 
Yeah, there you go. That's the right. That's way the word I was it. looking for. Yeah, is just off the charts. He's a genius. I think a sociopath about it. Oh God, yes. But genius. <laughs> well, I think all vampires, all vampires, yeah. <laughs> I think all vampires would technically qualify as as sociopaths, given that they have no soul. No soul. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, he correctly assumes that you know, knowing Willow's history, that. Perhaps there's something going on about Buffy or other people in the gang either not knowing that she's a lesbian or knowing and being really uncomfortable about it because that's a transition right. for people to make psychologically and emotionally. Well, I mean, it's just the assumption that it's like, hey, this is a weird situation. So therefore, I guarantee Willow would have doubts of her position and how her friends view that. Yeah, but he sees a chink in the armor and he goes for it. And he's such a relentless predator about it. Now, the disc that he gives her is encrypted. I want to make a prediction about this disc. I think this disc will have fuck all nothing on it. And Adam made it solely to be super hard to crack. Just as a nice fuck you. When she cracks it, I think it's going to pop up with a gif of Adam going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you didn't say the magic word. Ah ah ah. Ah ah ah. Oh, that's a good poll. <laughs> I think of that line a lot. Actually. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with uh, your prediction there. Uh, Spike is doing double duty here, pushing for his payment for providing the disc and playing the Scoobies against each other using their own insecurities. This is what they mean when they say keep your friends close and your enemies closer, I guess. Right? I don't understand why Spike went forward with the plan before Giles had informed Buffy, which he made a very big point about earlier. Right. Spike did. That's the only part of this that doesn't really hold water, I think. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Other than Giles having no spine. Right, and he does give the line of like, Look, I included you in. I were doing it your way. Give me some fucking kudos here, basically. Who? Spike or Giles? Yeah, Spike. Two, two Giles. I don't remember what his exact line was, but something along those lines. Okay. I don't remember either, but good summation. Cut to the initiative, where things are getting very sardine up in here. Cell space is backed up. Hostels are overflowing. Colonel McDusherson doesn't care. He thinks they're just animals and pack them in tight and let them kill each other. Yeah, he's fine with letting them tear each other apart. No big deal. Cut over to Sunnydale High, a.k.a. Riley's Lair. We start to get the radio call in the initiative, and then it cuts to Riley with his hacked radio. Uh-huh. And he's hearing that there are some soldiers that are under attack outside of the school so right around the fucking corner from where he is mm -hmm. so he's like oh fuck this saddle up let's go yeah they're calling for hardcore backup and he's he just can't let that go no i can actually kind of respect that view like he's out of the picture but he still like has loyalty to his his comrades oh, i completely thing, agree you know? but oh look it's angel what the fuck, Riley? I feel so <laughs> depressed, but happy about this all of a sudden, all at the same time. Right? <laughs> Riley shows up. Angel's kicked some soldiery ass. 
And Riley immediately is like, oh, you must be bad now because you had sex with Buffy. So you have no soul now. And Angel doesn't correct him or anything. Yeah. Despite knowing who he is. Very classic sitcom misunderstanding here. Right. But also fairly in character to Angel, I yeah. think. Yeah. I've- Felt like they stayed plenty true to Angel's character for this part. Because Angel is very much the type of person that he's not going to discuss something that he feels is no one's business. With some asshole that he he doesn't even know that this is Riley right away, but he figures it out. Fairly quickly, though. He's like, you must be Riley Finn. And then Riley's like, oh, you must be Angel. But he doesn't. Let's fight. Yeah, neither of them respect either of their positions as boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Right. And not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. In fact, if anything, that's more cause to fight. <laughs> right? Because toxic masculinity. But hey, it makes for good TV, right? Uh, let me tell you, man, this is a fight that Riley has no chance in hell. I mean, I felt like they were fairly evenly matched. Ah, uh, no. If the fucking other Humvee thing wasn't pulling up, there is no way in hell Riley was holding ground against... Yeah, no, you're right. Angel gets his own TV show. Riley definitely does not. Yeah. Angel's way better. We haven't seen Angel in a while. Yeah, he's on his own show. So, you know, we've been watching Angel alongside, presumably, uh, if if you were watching this on TV back in the day. Mm -hmm. But it's really nice that when Angel comes back onto Buffy, we get to immediately see him being a badass. Definitely. Yeah, Riley says, way I heard it, you were all peaceable now. You didn't by any chance go and lose that pesky soul again, did you? Angel's like, don't push me, boy. <laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> Riley's like, now what could have possibly happened with Buffy that would make you lose your soul? That's between me and her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yikes, all the testosterone. All of it. Every and bit of it. Obligatory boyfriend fight. They both get their punches in. Uh, Riley zaps Angel with a taser, a tiny taser, not yeah, one of the big it ass It doesn't really tasers. do a whole hell of a lot because Angel's a badass. Then they hear reinforcements coming and they both skedaddle. Yeah. Not before Angel fucking whips Riley across the alleyway into a pile of big metal tubes. I want to say ductwork. Yeah. Yeah. Because it looked fairly like thin metal right it's the kind of like uh sheet metal stuff that it actually bends really easy yeah good it's a good background prop to throw someone into yeah definitely so if anything you know it broke his fall better than the wall would have oh god yeah so he was lucky it was there (laughs) i like how they exit scene here though because angel exit scene very batman-esque by rooftop (laughs) and riley just kind of limps away i'm just gonna go over here and look like i'm a homeless man taking a pee in the corner it's gonna be fine like did he really successfully hide from them in that stupid little corner i mean he'd know their opera their the way they operate so i mean he would be able to hide pretty easily i think yeah i they probably just zipped right past like they were probably picking up the bodies of the fallen soldiers. Right. And he could easily squeak around the bend or something. I don't know. Who fucking cares? They it don't find a, him. They took a bit long to get there, though, didn't they? Yeah, I think... Th- I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to pull out the map and start right. taking down timestamps <laughs> and shit. Fuck that. But hey, if you want to and want to let us know, 
Give us a call. Yeah, we'd love to hear that breakdown. 269-743-0783. Frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. Putrefying diseases. It'll make you blind and insane, but it won't kill you. Light a bunch of candles and have sex near them. This is how I like it. Please remove your clothing now. Cut to the dorm. Yeah. Buffy's a bit beat up. A wee bit, but so is Angel. Angel gets there first. He tries telling... (laughs) Buffy, there's a problem. (laughs) Buffy, there's a problem. Exactly. (laughs) Well, he tries telling her something, but she stops him and just starts berating him for being a dick while she was visiting the set of Angel. So Buffy says, let me guess. There you go. (laughs) You thought of something else really hurtful to say. And, well, you couldn't tell me on the phone because the funniest part is that look on my face. Buffy, please, there's a problem. (laughs) Buffy, please, I really don't have a lot of time. (laughs) Riley barges in and the testosterone poisoning continues. Yeah, and up until, you know, they, they legitimately start to fight in the fucking bedroom. Seriously. Until fucking Buffy just throws them both across the room, one hand each. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, fuck you two. I'm the badass here in the room. You're going to listen to me. And they do. <laughs> yeah. Buffy is finally like, Riley, I need to talk to Angel. But Riley's a dick and refuses to leave. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving this room. <laughs> Buffy and Angel just casually are like, all right. And they, and they both leave. They just step out into the hallway. After they leave and they close the door, he just, to the room, he's like, not moving a muscle. <laughs> it was very well played. Good ab- good uh, obstinance there, buddy. Yeah. Good obstinance. He both won and lost at the same time. I'm disappointed that when Buffy comes back into the room later, he's not exactly in the same place. <laughs> so, you know, he didn't hold on to that. But at least he had... <laughs> At least he wasn't dumb enough to push the issue after they right. stepped into the hallway. Like, he didn't follow him out there like a real dickbag. Yeah. Frankly, I'd have been like, ah, ah, it's done. Break it off. You're you're done with that doofus. He's an idiot. They get out into the hallway and Buffy just hardcore rips into Angel, deservingly. Right. And asks him what he thinks he was doing. And he's just... I. I was trying to make it better. <laughs> and then that they pause and there's a moment where it's like the absurdity of he literally just came here to try and improve things and it all blew up in everyone's face. And they they get a bit of a laugh about that. Yeah, and finally there's a break in the fucking tension. Yeah. It's been such a tense episode. Well, and Angel even says Things are pretty fucking tense around here, huh? After their little conversation, yeah. But Angel finally apologizes for being a dick when she was on his show before this episode and for being an instigative dick just now with Riley. And then Buffy apologizes because she felt like she was kind of wrong for coming over to his town and being all judgy about the way he was handling things. Well, she went over to their fucking studio, their studio. She fucking dug into the craft services table, ate all their goddamn croissants. That's just (laughs) rude. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't fucking do that. Like, he worked hard to get that show. 
<laughs> There's no more jelly donuts. Damn it, Buffy. Don't you know how broody my jelly donuts are, Buffy? I know exactly how broody your jelly donuts are. I actually like to think that, that that's the entire reason the crossover happened. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar was like, damn, we're out of jelly donuts. I'm going to go over to the fucking angel set and hey, get me some jelly donuts. Hey, guys, you need to rewrite your script so I can get some jelly donuts <laughs> done. This woman wants jelly donuts. God damn it. Make it happen. Uh, but, sir, if we uh, just send over some jelly donuts, wouldn't that... No! Shut Rewrite the script! your face! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Would she have that kind of star power at this point? I like to think so. I mean, the show can't run without her. Right. But Buffy tells him the best thing he can do to help is to leave okay she didn't say leave but it was heavily implied in brackets of the ether um i don't know about you but i read that as fuck off (laughs) (laughs) not just leave no fuck off they were being nice about it yeah but she really told him to fuck off but angel confirms just for the record he does not like riley Well, it's better that way. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Buffy walks back in to Riley, and we cut over to Adam's lair. Where Spike returns home, and damn it, Adam. Like, there's no dinner on the table for him. He's worked all day. This relationship went downhill real quick. Like, you're not, you don't even, like, stand up and greet him when he gets home. No hug and kiss. What the fuck? (laughs) Hey, if that's what you want out of a relationship, you get a dog, okay? Yeah, yeah. I have a cat who greets me at the door, though. Then again. That's something. You know, a little attention, I don't think, is so much to ask for. No. (laughs) And dinner on the goddamn table. (laughs) Adam has done nothing but sit in front of the fucking computer all day. Wow. That went down (laughs) the make me a sandwich rabbit hole real quick. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's only it's only appropriate because they're not in a relationship at all. It's funny. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Rex. So Spike saunters in very self-congratulatorily, proclaiming victory for having sown the seeds of dissent amongst the Scoobies. And then he states the title of the episode. Well, he explains his strategy and the title of the episode... Saving me from having to look it up. (laughs) He explains to Adam that it's the Yoko factor. Referring, of course, to how Yoko Ono is blamed for breaking up the Beatles. But really, they just kind of tore themselves apart. Yeah. And, you know, isn't that the first rule of the bro code? Bros before hoes? I mean, yeah, if you're a douchey frat boy. I mean... But... You know, real human adult relationships have more dynamics than that. Yeah, probably. I'm just saying, you know, to oversimplify the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yoko Ono came in and supposedly sowed the seeds of dissent. And thusly, the Beatles broke up. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but that's apparently the story. I mean, that's... Yeah. According to Spike. So do you think he was... 
referring to himself as Yoko in this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, his point being is that it wasn't Yoko's fault. It was the group's fault. Yeah. I, I felt like I made that clear. Did I not? I was just uh, Could- making it a concise statement. Alrighty. Uh, but yeah, he's gung-ho about that chipectomy. He definitely wants that chip out of his head. Yeah, and I can't blame him. Nope. hes It's funny because I get the feeling he's trying to play Adam the same way that he's playing the Scoobies right now. Right. He's like, all right, I did what you wanted. Now give me what I want before he's really delivered anything. Yeah. In both situations. Just like when he delivered the discs to Giles, he's like, pay me now. And Giles is like, no, we're, we'll pay you after we unencrypt this. That's what I meant. Both situations yeah, with the Scoobies. Fucking brilliant. And with Adam. So, uh, but Adam needs one more thing. What could it be? I don't know. For you to die, I feel like is how that sentence was supposed to end. Right. I really feel like Adam was about to just murder Spike as soon as the camera cut away. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwarts and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. Cut back to the dorm where Buffy has to really talk about something important. And Riley, in his super I'm overreacting about fucking everything way, assumes that, oh, it's because you're going to break up with me. Yeah, he's positive that she ran off and banged Angel and he thinks that Angel is evil and has lost his soul. And that only confirms his theory more because he doesn't know Angel at all. And she's like, hey, you're going to want to have a seat for this. And um, even me, I was like, what the hell could she possibly have to tell him that's so important? I know she's not breaking up with him. Right. And I suspected it was about Forrest, but... The big thing is... I completely forgot about Forrest (laughs) at this point. Well, it happened so quick. Yeah. It happened so quick and then, like, nothing was said about it at all. But they sit down on the bed and Buffy makes a very fucking valid point here. What the fuck have I done to warrant you being this ridiculously jealous and distrustful of me? Yeah. Fuck all nothing. Sure. I mean, now, Rex, we've both been in relationships with insecure women and i think women as well as men should be allowed a certain amount of insecurity that's part of a relationship yeah is knowing that somebody has a certain amount of emotional trauma and damage and baggage that is going to need to be dealt with on a regular basis yeah and this is riley's he's insecure and he needs some reassurance occasionally that buffy is still into him The issue, though, I think, is that he's allowing his insecurities to become so much more. Yeah, I'm not saying it's okay all of the time, but there was there was huge communication issues. Well, definitely on Riley's side. Yeah, more more so on Riley's side, because she's trying to tell him this thing and he's not listening. Right. And when Angel was first brought up. Like, she's like, look, that's a fucking touchy subject, and I'm not currently ready to talk about that. And he couldn't, like, his insecurities led him to just not be able to accept that. And that's bullshit. And he jumped to conclusions. Yeah. And my God, this episode just gave me whiplash from all the stupid misunderstandings 
flying around the whole oh, God, yes. damn episode. Yes. She finally clears up that she absolutely did not bang Angel and he's not evil. This is just who he is. Which brings me to one of my quotes of the day. Okay. Riley goes, seriously? That's a good day? <laughs> well, there you go. Even when he's good, he's all Mr. Billowy Coat, King of Pain. And girls, they really... And then that's when Buffy interrupts him. Yeah, so just stop. And you know what? Riley's not wrong. I swoon a little bit for Angel. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he got his own show. Yeah. But she's all like, why are you so insecure, though? And he's like, oh, you know, because I'm so in love with you. Oh, fuck that. And she's like, oh, by the way, Forrest is dead. Oh, fuck. That's a bombshell right there. Riley just gets up and pretty much walks out. He's upset, understandably. And I bet that makes him feel a bit petty. Right. Yeah. Oh, shit. I was just worried about what you were doing with your own private bits when my best friend is dead now. Oopsie doodle. I am very fucking glad, though, that the story did not twist to where Riley was blaming Buffy for Forrest being dead or something. Oh, I couldn't even handle that. Because that would have been the most cliche possible fucking thing. Seriously. Oh my god. That that would have been one twist too many with this episode. The moment Forrest died, that's what I was fearing was, was going to happen. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. I, they could have gone there so easily. And they still could. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Oh, knock on fucking wood. If it does, then we will finally understand why everybody hates Riley so much. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to really drop there. There's a f- there's been a few moments where I'm like, eh. it's a slow build up. It's a long slow build up, and the last straw is gonna break the camel's back in the next episode or two. I think. Well, we only have two. Yeah. Cut to Giles's house. Willow's still trying to decrypt Spike's dubious disc, and oh boy, shit really hits the fan. Oh, so quick. Or rather, Spike's shit plant sprouts in magnanimous abundance. <laughs> I like that. There you go. You're welcome. Magnanimous. I I don't even think I can actually say that. (laughs) Basically, uh, Willow and Xander want to help Buffy fight Adam. And had they stayed calm and thought it out rationally, maybe they could have worked something out to help Buffy. But with Willow and Xander's head still spinning with the bullshit Spike laid down, everybody lashes out at everybody for talking behind each other's back. But not really, because that didn't really happen. I was just expecting at one fucking moment for Willow and Buffy to be like, we never talked about you joining the military. Yeah. What are you talking about? I I expected all three of them to compare stories and be like, Spike. Yeah. But they didn't. I think that might still happen next episode. Fucking better. (laughs) my favorite part about this whole scene though is that giles is really drunk (laughs) right but willow lets it slip that she thinks things aren't okay with her and buffy because she can't handle tara being her girlfriend (laughs) which throws xander for a loop and giles your girlfriend (laughs) yeah and giles up in his loft can still hear everything going on and he also didn't know And with the greatest of comedic timing ever, he's like, bloody hell. (laughs) Could this get more dramatic? Right. But before that, I actually have a a quote of uh, another quote of the day here uh, that involves Xander and Giles. Okay. Uh, That's when when Xander is complaining to Buffy. He says, 
oh, okay, you and Willow go do your superpower thing. I'll stay behind and putt around the Batcave with crusty old Alfred here. <laughs> and drunkenly, Giles says, ah, no, I'm no Alfred, sir. No, you forget. Alfred had a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with the self-deprecating humor. That normally would have been a Xander line. Yeah. That was amazing. Xander's line there, nothing all that great, but Giles's line was gold. Yeah, so all the shit goes down. Everybody's mad at everybody. Buffy storms off. Cut over to Adam's lair. Riley walks in. Adam says, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Riley responds, and now I'm here. Dun, dun, dun. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall walk in here. Hold on. You've got something here. So, Josh, did this episode stress you out as much as it stressed me out? Probably. <laughs> First thing I wanted to cover is what the hell do you think Riley's doing with Adam? I think he has a chip in his brain or something like that. Some sort of programming that Walsh did to him. My first thought was maybe Adam called in Riley to handle Spike's chipectomy. Or maybe they have some sort of co-plan to take down the initiative because they have a mutual goal in that. Maybe. Or not necessarily a mutual goal, but they have a mutual interest, at least, you know, disabling or throwing off the initiative somehow, it would seem. I can't imagine Riley being there by choice. Yeah, it just kind of makes you wonder what in the hell does Adam have over Riley? Because, you know, Riley was like viscerally distraught at the thought of being in any way related to Adam because he called him his brother. Right several episodes ago at the initiative. I honestly think it's something Walsh did to him. Some sort of brainwash programming or chip in his head or something like that. Yeah, we we do know as of this episode that they spent a great deal of money on him, so it wasn't just the drugs and training. Right. There's something else going on. Exactly. Some sort of augmentation, perhaps. Anyway, how'd you feel about this episode? It stressed me out and I didn't like it. I liked Spike in it, but everything else about it stressed me out. Yeah, everybody's communication skills failed miserably. And their ability to assert themselves. Everyone except for Spike. Right? Yeah. It's either a huge testament to the level of manipulation that Spike is capable of, or it's a question of, like, what the fuck is up with these three fucking people who have been friends for the last four fucking years yeah and like they've been through hell together and they can't just be like hey guys we're all upset right now let's take a moment and take a few deep breaths and talk about all our feelings rationally yeah i'm starting to feel like um besides monster of the week category there's two big distinctions you can make about episodes and that's Some of them push forward the arcing big bad plot. Some of them push character growth. This was not a character growth episode. Oh, God, no. Not even a bit. If anything, everybody devolved a little. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think ultimately my like or dislike of this episode will greatly hinge on next episode. I partially agree. 
I see, I like character growth, but I also like seeing the main plot progress. And I understand that one or the other of those things kind of has to take a hit in order for the other thing to happen based on the way that it's set up. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that they are uh, mutually exclusive things, but in just with this show, it's one of those things you need to accept. Definitely. Or you're going to have a bad time. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so what's your quote of the day, Rex? So it's one we didn't actually talk about while we were going through the scene. Um, it's in the big argument at the tail end there. Xander's talking about Buffy being all superior. And he says to her, just because you're better than us doesn't mean you can be all superior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. That was a good one. So, yeah, that's my quote of the day. What's your quote of the day? I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Spike here. You know, for someone who's got Watcher on his resume, <laughs> you might want to cast an eye to the front door every now and again. I, I almost picked that one. Because this is a very meta kind of fourth wall breaking line. It's the writers pointing out their own shitty writing, being like, <laughs> all right, we know that he really shouldn't be able to get through the door, but we also don't want him to have to knock every time. Right. <laughs> it also is just kind of like, hey, guys, we really need Spike to have just a really good entrance into this scene. What can we do? We need him to have a great zinger as he walks through the yeah. door because that's just who he is. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, I like that. Very much so. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. It was pretty good. Excellent. Definitely. Party on, dudes. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Showing. <laughs> All right. So we're done. This has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes. That is the number one way that you can help us out. Uh, recently, I started spinning the karma wheel and giving out all the iTunes reviews that I can get my hands on because you can't be a beggar and a chooser. So... Uh, we want genuine iTunes reviews, preferably favorably, of course. If you're interested and like to collect merchandise from your favorite podcast, we have a store. It's at store.beerwithbuffy.com. We have mugs, t-shirts, stickers, and hoodies. If you want to help us out financially in these crazy COVID-19 days, you can head on over to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. It'll help us keep the lights on and buy us a beer at the very least, and it's all very much appreciated. Thank you. If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns, or just want to chat with us, you can contact us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. Or, even more fun, we might play you on the air or respond to you in real time if you want to leave us a voicemail at 269-743-0783. You can also text to that number. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Keanu speed, Josh. Levinson be with you. I mean, Reeves be with you. <laughs> Damn. We've been infected again. Whoa. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility. And instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>
What have we done? Why are we watching this? <laughs>